Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. And today I'm here with a new friend, Tanya Hackney. Tanya and her family live on a boat. And so they're here to share a little bit more about what boat life is like and what it's like to, um, why she changed her life so dramatically. So Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about my story. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start there with your story. What made you decide to live on a boat? How did you get here? Um, I am married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, we grew up in Florida and he grew up sailing, though I did not. Uh, and there was always this interest in the water. Uh, we went on a trip with his parents when we were newlyweds and it was a magical trip. And I hate to use the word magical. I know it's so cheesy, but I can't think of any other way. It was completely transformative. Um, you know, it had good parts and bad parts, a storm at sea and a beautiful night sail with a million stars and phosphorescence in the water and some exploring and some snorkeling and some quiet evenings sitting on deck. I, it was like a little microcosm of what life on a boat is like. And I was so charmed by that. It took us a really long time um, for that to come to fruition, but it certainly planted the seed. Sure. And then uh, we were we were yuppies for a long time in between this this idea, you know, that that incubated all these years and the actually setting sail with our family. So when did you set sail? Um, we bought the boat in 2008. We had an, a five year plan that got us out of Atlanta, uh, where we lived in a little suburban house, uh, had two cars and you know, two kids and the, all the normal American dream type stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that five-year plan got us back to Florida, near where our families were, back to the water. We bought a small sailboat, uh, which we eventually sold. Uh, and then we found a large live-aboard boat, which we purchased and move aboard, moved aboard almost five years to the, to the week after we had wow. bought, you know, left Atlanta. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of rare that a plan would go that perfectly. I think that's probably the last time that any plan <laughs> we had actually happened the way that we planned it. Sure. <laughs> that's the truth. That is a thing. And you have more than two kids now. Oh yeah. So when we moved, I actually was, uh, when we were considering leaving Atlanta, I was pregnant with our third. Okay. And when we moved, I had a, I had a baby and then we had another baby and then we went traveling for a while with our four kids under the age of eight. Wow. And uh, I came back from our first trip to the Bahamas pregnant and we had a fifth kid while we were living on the boat. And um, she's now 10. So she has wow. spent her whole life on the boat. Sure. Wow. So what has been challenging about living on the boat? Wait, let's back up. What kind of boat is it? How big is this boat? Yeah, good question. It is a 48-foot custom catamaran. It is built out of wood. Catamaran means it has two hulls. So I guess think of it as like two boats with a cabin in the middle. And in the main cabin, you would have the living space. So that's approximately a 15 by 15 foot room with, uh, you know, all the rooms just compressed into one space. So I have a galley and we have a salon table that seats eight people and a little desk area for um, doing work or school and even a little uh, living room. It's a, called a salon with uh, settees. And then we have a cockpit, which is okay. another sitting room outdoors. Okay. 
um, it has four cabins and then sort of a little pilot's berth, which is where we put our youngest child. And sure. so some people have had to share over the years, uh, but our oldest just moved off. And so everybody has their own room right now. Oh, wow. So cabin. everyone has their own cabin. cabin. How big are the like? Bedrooms? Well, obviously I share with the captain, but. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, the. The beds are all, I, I say they're spacious. For a boat, it feels spacious. Uh, they're all full-size beds, so oh, wow. like a standard double. Uh, yeah, it's, and my husband is over six feet tall, so he, it's it's a very small nook, but we call it cozy. Sure. That would be the word I would use. It's cozy. Yeah. So what are some challenges that you've encountered living on the boat? Well, there's all the things that you sort of expect, like you run into bad weather. Um, we've never actually personally had a run in with pirates, but we know people who have. Um, you have heat or cold, depending on, you know, on where you are sailing and what season of the year it is. You're very subject to the weather and to temperature changes. Um, you have the privacy issue where you're seven people kind of living on top of each other and doing conflict resolution and learning how to live with each other. Um, homeschooling is a challenge only because you, again, are in a small space and you're all trying to do different things or even when you're all trying to do the same thing. A lot of things about that life, about our life are challenging, but they're challenges that we wanted. Sure. We were a bit bored. We were bored by our, um, you know, by our American dream. We wanted to do something. We wanted to have an adventure and we, we wanted to live a fulfilling and exciting life. And if we had wanted everything to be easy, we would have just stayed in the house. That's so true. That's a good point. Do you feel like you have accomplished that goal? Of living a fulfilling and exciting life? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hands down. I have a much better life than I had planned for myself originally. That's cool. With the two kids and the two cars mm -hmm. and the driveway of a, you know, of a ranch house in, in Atlanta. Yes, sure. absolutely. I, I have no regrets. That's awesome. What has been enjoyable about life on the boat? I love to travel. I really love meeting new people and eating new foods and seeing new scenery. And I love the ocean and I love um, just a life of freedom where you're kind of determining for yourself where you go and who you work for and um, just what your existence looks like. Uh, so I love the freedom of our life. Um, I love all the people that we meet. We meet just the most amazing people, uh, other boaters, as well as locals in the places that we visited and people inside the, in the homeschool community, like where we live now is a it's kind of a core group of friends that we've come back to visit over and over, over the years. Um, those are all aspects of my life that I love. I love spending all that time with my kids. It's not easy, but I do. I really love that, you know, that we had all this time with our kids while they yeah. were growing up. Oh, I bet. So do you stay in one place or do you like travel around? You know, we split our life because we're usually there's because we've been doing it for so long. If we were, you know, some people take a sabbatical. If we had taken a sabbatical, we would have been probably traveling full time. You know, you save up a bunch of money, you buy a boat, you go on a trip. This is really just our lifestyle. So yeah. sometimes we are traveling and sometimes we're in one place uh, because maybe my husband needs to focus on work or maybe he has to travel for work or, you know, maybe we need to stop and visit family or something. Um, and then sometimes we're fixing the boat, which 
every couple of years we have to haul it out and paint the bottom and do some repairs. And so that's kind of an opportunity to do a road trip or do some kind of land adventure. So we're really splitting our time between uh, making money, fixing the boat, and then enjoying the boat. And, and sometimes Valid. we're doing those things at the same time. Valid. What, how do you do work? How does that work? Um, I guess my husband is what you would call a digital nomad. He uh, left a brick and mortar job. He's a computer guy. And so he has, uh, he put in his years in the, in the, in the business where he had the business trips and he worked for a company and now he's able to do what he does, uh, from anywhere, really anywhere we can get internet and with cell phone towers being sort of everywhere. Now you can, you can get an unlocked phone and switch SIM SIM cards and buy data. And, you know, we spent several years in the Caribbean and he was pretty much able to work from, from anywhere. Wow. That's awesome. So while we're on kind of silly questions, what do you do about mail? Um, I don't think that's a silly question. (laughs) It's a, it's a valid question. We're sort of outside the normal avenues and systems. So, uh, we have a mailing service. It's called St. Brendan's Isle. And think about people, other people like people who live on an RV um, or people who world school and, you know, just do long-term rentals and travel, you know, might need a permanent mailing address. And so that's our permanent mailing address. It does cause a few problems like getting your driver's license. Uh, The year that we flew back from Guatemala one year to visit family and our driver's licenses were expired. And so we, we went to the town where this mailing service is to renew our licenses. And they asked us for our street address. We gave them the address and they said, no, 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 that's a PO box. What's your street address? And so we said, well, we live on our boat. And they said, okay, well, where, what Marina is the boat in? Where's the boat? And we said, the boat is in Guatemala. And they're looking at us like, what do we do with these people that, <laughs> you know, we're not homeless per se, but we don't right. really fit inside the box. And so they used our document number for our okay. boat and then, the, and then the PO box for the address. And huh. then the, when we moved back to Florida in 2019, the, I went to the DMV with my daughter to get her license and they looked at my driver's license and said, what is this address? <laughs> like I had to explain the entire thing all over again. Yeah. But um, yeah, we don't, we don't always fit in. Sure. So, okay. Driver's license are something I would not have thought of. How about groceries? Just go to shore. Um, yep. We have a dinghy. And if you think about uh, the boat is our house, then the dinghy would be the minivan, I guess. Sure. Um, it's a, it's a 13 foot inflatable with a aluminum bottom and a 30 horsepower Suzuki four stroke. It's, you know, it's powerful. It's great. It gets us wherever we need to go, whether we're snorkeling out on the reef or we're taking mm-hmm. the boat ashore, tying up to a dock somewhere and walking to the store. It just depends on where we're living, whether we're you know, walking or taking a taxi or if we're in Florida, we have actually have a vehicle, but it's still like an extra step. So you're, I counted one time, like how many times you actually have to lift the grocery bags. So you get in the dinghy, you go to shore, you get to the store, you put everything in the cart, you you know, everything from the cart goes onto the belt, from the belt to the bags, from the bags to whatever your conveyance is uh, Mm -hmm. to get back to your boat. Then you load everything into a dock cart and then from the dock cart into the dinghy, sure. dinghy out to the boat, load it from the dinghy to the deck, from the deck to the cockpit, from, to the cockpit inside 
and then you unload everything into the all the little hidey holes. It's a it takes all day, pretty much. I mean, if you're traveling and you're in a new place, or if you're doing it in another language, or you have mm-hmm. to walk to town, it, sure, it, it's an adventure. Every every little thing that you think of in your life that you maybe take for granted, when you live on a boat, you don't take it for granted. Sure. I hope your ice cream hasn't melted by the time you get it back to the freezer. Oh yeah, we don't buy ice cream. That's a, <laughs> that is a, that's a valid thing. Like when we go to a new place, one of the things that we do with the kids is. Um, we'll scope everything out in town. My husband and I will go ashore, check in with the authorities, Mm. um, find out where we take our trash, where we can do laundry, where the grocery store is. I always look for an ice cream shop on my way home Mm -hmm. and we get back and we tidy up the boat from the passage and then I take the kids out for ice cream. And that's a big treat because you can't get, you know, a half a gallon of ice cream back to your boat without it melting. Right. Right. That'd be a problem. So yeah, that ice cream is one of those things that we we now appreciate. Absolutely. And and ice cream at ice cream shops is always better than ice cream out of a tub anyway. I agree. So what do you know now that you wish you would have known when you started? We did not know. My my second son gets gets really horribly seasick and he never oh. gets over it. I wish oh. that we had known that. Although I don't wish that we had known that. If we had known that, we probably wouldn't have done it. We probably would have felt like terrible parents and you know, maybe our parent guilt would have, would have prevented us from pursuing this dream. Uh, we do medicate him because, you know, we tried all the natural things for years when he was sure. little, we would, you know, try everything to mitigate it. And in the end, mm. we just had to medicate him, but even medicated, he's kind of useless as a crew member. He's just like, not miserable, not Aww. great, but not miserable. Yeah. Um, That's hard. It, it does affect our travel. It affects where we go, how long we're at sea, what weather we travel in. Obviously, he would not be up for an ocean crossing. That would not be enjoyable. Right. You know, 21, <laughs> three weeks, four weeks at sea doesn't sound very appealing. No. Uh, so there, that I guess I would have liked to have known that. Um, I don't think I realized how broken everything would always be. And we bought an old boat, and I know that. Um, just that it's constant, it's constant maintenance in a house. If you don't fix something, maybe you can put something off or jury rig it, but on a boat, if you don't fix something like you could sink or, you know, <laughs> a problem. shipwrecked. Yeah. yeah. So there is a level of, uh, things are always in flux. Things are always getting fixed. Mm-hmm. It's something I try and tell people when they ask, you know, when they're interested in our lifestyle and interested in buying a boat and they're asking, I, I always try and be real. Like, the definition of cruising is fixing your boat in exotic locations. It's not untrue. Like that's, that's a complete true statement. You're always fixing something, something's, it always feels like you're in the middle of a construction zone. I mean, not always, but it, there's a, there's a reality of, of maintenance. Yeah. I, grew I did on, not know. <laughs> I grew up on the shores of Lake Michigan And so one of the restaurants that we frequented when I was a kid was obviously nautically themed. And there was a big sign on the wall that was like a boat. And then it said something about the thing you're always fixing or however, I'm sure it was more eloquent than that, but yeah, a hole, a hole in the water that you're throwing money into. That's that's what it is. That might've been what it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's absolutely true. (laughs) Yeah. People ask like, well, what does it cost to do what you do or what, how much did you spend fixing the boat or making it livable? And I basically just say everything, it costs everything, every ounce of love, every Mm -hmm. penny, Mm -hmm. every 
um, all of our energy, all of our time. It's a labor of love. And obviously we wouldn't do it if we didn't love it. Of it, course. It provides many things in return, but it is, uh, it is definitely costly on all fronts. Sure. I could see that. That makes a lot of sense. And, and it's got beautiful times, but I'm sure there are very, very difficult times too. Yeah. So- I, one of the, one of those things that, that are, it's difficult is just living, learning to live with your family 24, seven, 365, um, whether you're homeschooling or working mm-hmm. or r- trying to write, for yeah. example. Yes. Uh, we'll talk anything, about your book like, here in a minute. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Anything, uh, it becomes intensified and then you're adding to that, you know, travel and moving and maybe living in, in a different culture or mm. a different language, you know, every, all these variables can, can ramp stress up. It's like a, I think I, I wrote once, it's like a crucible, you know, <laughs> you turn sure. up the heat and all of that sort of scum rises to the surface Yeah, and you really, you learn who you are. You learn something some good things and some bad things about each Mm -hmm. person in your family and how you deal with stress and how you deal with conflict and unpredictability. Yeah. It was a good learning experience. I feel like the world has gotten to have that experience in the last year or two with the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, if you want to know what it's like to be at sea for a week, I think a quarantine (laughs) would probably be a good approximation. Only now you need to like um, shake the house a little bit. Like you would need to add some movement there. <laughs> some earthquakes here and, 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 there. and like, yeah. And wash your, um, wash all your clothes in the kitchen sink. <laughs> your dishwasher would need to be broken as well. So you would have like the extra aspect of, of course, know, more, more work. Of course. No, and maybe I was chop very... off half your house and said, you've got more space. Yeah. You all have to move into one room. So it's a, it's a quarantine where you all live in one room. Cause when we're at sea, almost nobody's sleeping in their cabin, just from a comfort standpoint, you're kind mm. of in the, where you find the center of gravity. You sure. all just live in one room and wash everything by hand. And yeah, splash some water on each other occasionally just to <laughs> keep it exciting. Perfect. Um, I, I felt very sympathetic during, um, during the pandemic for people who were sort of for the first time, really like yeah. in each other's presence all the time. And then all those people who were suddenly homeschooling, I, I chose to homeschool. Sure. It is not the thing. It's definitely one of the hardest aspects of our lives is just trying to meet everybody's needs and, mm. you know, from kindergarten to college, that's yeah. kind of the age, age range that we have. But those people that were suddenly that, that was thrust upon them and that would have mm-hmm. been really hard. I mean, yeah. like I said, it's hard even when you like doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. Everyone has my sympathy. (laughs) We have finally learned what you have known for many years, I think is what's going on here. Yeah. That homeschooling isn't about schooling. It's about, it's about interpersonal relationships. It's about um, dealing with your own childhood trauma so that you don't hand that baggage to your children. It's about kindness and about asking forgiveness and it's, it's challenging, but good. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a good a way to think about it. I hadn't thought about it that way. So you've also written a book about the experience, about your life, really. Um, tell us about the book. Where can we find it? Um, the book is for sale at Amazon and everywhere else that books are sold. If um, if you went into a bookstore, you could request it, and um, and very cool, would, they would bring it in for you. Obviously, the easiest way to get it is Amazon, and it's available digitally and paperback version. It is a memoir about our life 
and not just about sailing, but about the life lessons that we learned. Mm. Uh, maybe the social and emotional journey that paralleled the physical journeys yeah. would be a way to describe that. That's a good the title. Is Leaving the Safe Harbor. Leaving the Safe Harbor? Leaving the Safe Harbor, the risks and rewards of raising a family on a boat. Mm, that sounds so good. What have been some of the rewards that you weren't expecting? There's no way I there's no way to to predict the awe and beauty that you experience mm. on the ocean. Even in the middle of, you know, like a lightning storm where we have this giant metal stick attached to our house, right? Our mast is 68 feet off the water and if you're at you know, out in lightning, it's terrifying. You don't want to get hit by lightning. Right. But at the same time, you are you have front row seats to mm. uh, to the best show on earth. I mean, it's yeah. magnificent and you feel this thrill just to be alive and to be a witness. So, and then other things, just sea creatures and sunsets and sunrises and phosphorescence and um, dolphins, you know, inches from you while you're, you know, they're frolicking in your bow wake and they're, sure. you know, jumping around your boat. I think the awe and the beauty is, mm-hmm. is an aspect that you, you maybe imagine, but you don't, you can't even fathom what it's like until you're experiencing yeah. that. Oh, I bet. What do you do during hurricane season? That is a great question. And every <laughs> year we have to ask that question. What are we going to do in June? Like June creeps up really fast. We don't worry so much in June and July. We're Florida people. We recognize like August and September things right. really get cranking. And then last year we had like sort of a surprise late season storm in November. Um, we try to be out of the hurricane zone. Uh, the years that we were in the Caribbean, we did a hurricane season in Grenada. Boats kind of congregate where where there are safe spaces, uh, sure. hurricane holes or you know places outside the hurricane belt. So we st- spent a season in Grenada a season in Panama, a season in Guatemala. And we've spent, and we did a hurricane season up north in the Chesapeake one year. Oh, cool. Um, that's as far north as we've been. We're okay. kind of warm weather people. Sure. Um, and then we've been in Florida a few times, several several years, um, sometimes in Tampa Bay on the West Coast, sometimes on the East Coast. Uh, we've spent a few seasons in the, hur- in the Florida Keys, which is a little nerve wracking because that you if you watch those hurricane maps things kind of pass over all the time yeah Uh, if we were gonna get a really severe storm we would tie the boat up in the mangroves we would set out um, multiple anchors and lines out to the mangroves it's kind of a soft landing spot if the if there's trouble and um, we would get off the boat most likely my husband talks about staying but I have no desire we've we've been through a couple of tropical storms on the boat and yeah that's about all I can handle so right yeah that makes sense I would probably not want to be on the boat in a storm like that either it's really loud it's just so it's deafening I was doing um an interview with somebody once and I I had to we had to cut the conversation short because it was raining yeah Um, you can't see where I'm sitting but uh like the the roof over my head is you know just a thin layer of wood and when it's raining it's just loud and so the wind will be screaming and the rigging and the Mm. rain is pelting the deck and yeah even if it's even if you're in no danger it adds a level of of stress sure I have been on a boat in a storm and it was unpleasant 
Um, but it was yeah, that's a, a good way to put storm. it. Yeah, yeah, it's unpleasant. Uh, yeah, unpleasant. You go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes it's terrifying. It goes from sort of it ranges from unpleasant to terrifying, and everything yes. in between. Yes, we were just beyond unpleasant, not to the point of terrifying. Um, my aunt and uncle live in Tampa Bay. And so we had taken oh, okay. the boat out um, there. I mean, it's a 20 foot boat, so much smaller boat. Obviously you don't live on it, but taking it out into the Gulf, stopped for dinner somewhere. Um, and on our way back in, a storm had blown up and we had to go back all the way across the bay in this nice thunderstorm. Yeah. Oh, joy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But then yeah. you know what you appreciate so much more. You appreciate that, that comfort and safety when you come come back to a safe place. Actually, the book is a little bit about that. It's about the literal safe harbor where you, you know, you get up the guts to leave the, the, the familiar and the comfortable Mm -hmm. and you go out and you have an adventure. Sometimes they're good adventures. Sometimes they're misadventures. Yeah. And then you come back to the safe harbor and Mm. you just learn this appreciation for things that, that you wouldn't have had, you know, if you hadn't risked things. That's so true. That's a good, good analogy I like that good life lesson so what have I not yeah asked book you is you like want... full of them it's full of yes. all sorts of things just like that it's these like wonderful nautical idioms that I love so much um paired with life lessons that awesome. hopefully hopefully these metaphors would apply to people who you know have no desire to move on to a boat <laughs> with their children but still you know feel feel interested to to hear about about that kind of a life. Yeah. Um, whenever, I don't know if this is something that your community ever plays, but my community loves the game, two truths and a lie. And so I always feel like I have to come up with something really good. And so I have learned that you, you share two things that are true about yourself and one thing that's a lie and people have to guess what the lie is. And I'm going to give my secret away to the whole internet. Yeah. Um, my lie is always that I grew up on a houseboat in Lake Michigan. Oh, (laughs) Well, we'll never be able to play with you. I know. Sorry. <laughs> you would, you would obviously call my bluff very quickly because I know nothing about living on boats. It's always fun to hear like people who really do live on boats, hear their stories. Yeah. And we're not alone. There is a community of families that live on boats and wow. um, we run into each other all the time and pile up during hurricane seasons where people are kind of looking for a safe harbor. Sure. Um, I love I love crossing paths with people. You don't ever know when you're going to meet someone again. We don't usually say goodbye to each other. We usually say, see you next time. Sure. That assumption that you'll meet up at a, in a different port, uh, right. in a different country, you know, on a different coast somewhere. Yeah. And that is one of the delightful surprises about our life is, you know, when you run into someone that you haven't seen in a few years and you didn't expect to, to see them. I now like anytime I'm anywhere near a waterfront, I can't go past a marina or something like that without studying the names. Cause I just assume, you know, after 13 years of doing this or whatever, that yeah. I know somebody in yeah. this marina, I'm looking at their boat names, trying to see, you know, if there's any old, old friends nearby. Sure. Well, and I bet changing SIM cards as you're changing countries, you get a new phone number all the time. So it's not like you can just call them and be like, Hey, where are you? Um, I think we use Google. We used a Google number when you're okay. we traveling. We pretty much are always reachable. Okay. The, the changing SIM cards is mostly for the data so that my husband can connect to work. Sure. Okay. But I'm not sure. Like maybe we use WhatsApp. WhatsApp is pretty consistent. Sure. Yeah. That would make sense something doing like something more internet based. That's not phone number based. 
So what have I not asked you that you want to talk about? Um, probably sort of the, the nitty gritty, like it's, it would be easy to, uh, put someone on a pedestal and, you mm. know, say, oh my gosh, that's so inspiring. That's so amazing. Um, but the nitty gritty about facing your fears and just to be real, I'm not really an adventurer at heart. I, I have an adventurous, spontaneous personality, but I'm also really afraid of things. Like I'm mm. afraid all the time and that you don't, I don't even necessarily conquer my fear to do things. I basically do things despite my fear. Mm. I choose to, to make, you know, I make these decisions, even though a part of my brain is screaming, like, don't yeah. do that. It's scary. Yeah. I go you know, sit down and shut up. I'm doing it anyway, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to get to the end of my life and have regret. Right. And so for people who say, oh my gosh, I could never do that. I could never homeschool my kids or I could never, you know, leave suburbia or I could never leave my brick and mortar job or I could never write a book. I mean, all of those things have an element of, of fear because you have to leave the norms and you have to leave, you have, you have to kind of ignore standard operating procedure sometimes, but you have to, you have to really dig deep when you're, when you're making these, taking these risks, uh, obviously you're counting, you're counting on a reward. Otherwise you wouldn't take the risks. And for us, the, I would, I'd love to talk about our faith journey because in order to make these decisions, these tough decisions that you, you know, homeschool your kids or uh, face your fears um, has, you know, really like laid my soul bare. And I have Mm -hmm. really had to, to trust God with a lot of things and to do what I do. I have to wake up every morning early and pray and get a jump on the day because I need that well of peace in order Mm -hmm. to not go crazy, you know, surrounded by children and homeschool and mess and construction and leaks and sure, uh, you know, storms at sea or, or whatever. Um, that has been a, a huge journey that, that parallels the, the physical journey. I bet. So what has been important in your faith as you've lived this new journey? Probably one of the best realizations was um, that we're never alone. Mm. I mean, even, even when you feel alone and you are small on a boat in the middle of the ocean and there's just, you know, an inch or two of wood between you and the big blue sea. Yeah. I, I, I never felt alone. Like I had that sense that, that we were being watched and cared for and the million coincidences that I have no explanation for, like people that we would meet, um, or uh, really like family members, I would say we, you know, I feel like we have family everywhere. There are these brothers and sisters that we've never met and we have these wonderful, you know, coincidental meetings, these sort of divine appointments. Yeah. Um, both, in a way that people have cared for us, but also opportunities that we've been able to then, you know, care for others. That part has been, has been delightful. That sense that, that God is with us and that he's watching over us. And that even when we make mistakes, you know, we're learning through those mistakes Mm -hmm. and that, and that there's a family all around us, Mm. you know, in every, in every corner, we're not alone. Yeah. That, that's probably been the most important thing. That 
is huge. I lived abroad as a missionary for a year. And so I do feel like I've got family all over the country, all over the world. I sometimes tease that I only have to stay in a hotel when I choose to. Oh, I love that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now you wouldn't be traveling with like seven people though. (laughs) I mean, that's true. That's a little bit different. It's just me. Um, but Uh, it's harder for seven people to sleep on one person's couch. It's true. We have to plan a little more carefully when we're, when we're traveling, although people have taken us in and that, that has been wonderful. And we have sailing friends. And when we go on a road trip, it's like, uh, that's what we do is we go visit friends that we met out sailing and they have gladly invited in a very large hungry family. (laughs) That's awesome. And there are couches everywhere. You are right. It's true. That's so cool. Well, Tanya, thank you so much. If we want to learn more, where can we find you online? We have been blogging um, since 2008. Actually, the first blog post was written before we even bought the boat. It was while I was still um, sort of freaked out about the whole idea. Uh, And that is at take2sailing.com. That's T-A-K-E-T-W-O, the name of the boat, (laughs) take2sailing.com. Okay. And um, I recently reached out on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. I was not much of a social media person before, but in the last couple of years, I branched out a little bit. So take two can take, I think it's, uh, take two sailing can be found at Facebook, take two sailing Instagram. And I think it's Tanya take two is the take two sailing Pinterest. Cool. Why the name take two? Uh, that was actually the name that the boat came with. It's a good story. I I don't know if we have time for it. I'll I'll sum up. Go for it. Okay. Um, (laughs) We had looked at another boat. We had a little um, 22 foot sailboat that we would take out on Tampa Bay in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. And when we had first moved back to Florida, it was kind of a learning, a learning vessel for us. And there was this big uh, Tiana 55 on the dock where we kept our boat <clears throat> and it was for sale. And so we went and looked <laughs> at this boat. We called the broker and said, you know, just for kicks and giggles, I wonder yeah. what, what it looks like on the inside. And we really liked it. And I like, I heard a voice, maybe not audibly, but certainly yeah. spoke very loudly to my spirit, like, take a look at your future. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. The boat was in it needed a lot of work. We kind of estimated, okay, yes, we could buy this boat, but can we afford to fix it? Mm. We hemmed, we hawed, we prayed about it. Um, it was obviously an accelerated plan at that point. I think we still only had three kids and they were very little and um, we were not ready. Basically, um, we prayed about it and then they would lower the price and we'd pray about it again. And finally somebody swooped in and bought this boat, Katie Rose, and they sailed away. Mm. And then I was like, devastated I remember crying in the shower and thinking yeah. like we're never gonna do it we're you know I'm such a chicken we're never gonna sail away we're never gonna get a chance mm-hmm. you know I didn't know if that boat sailed away was that my you know was that my opportunity and then when take two came up Jay found it online and he said I think I found the boat for us and it was so serendipitous that the name was take two it's our it was our second yeah, chance it was and, and it was a perfect boat for our family at that point um, we had four children, which, you know, in a monohull probably would have been fine, but this space is so perfect for us. And we just sure. knew, we knew the day that we went to look at it, we knew that, that, that it's the way it's just like falling in love. Like you just, you just know, we knew that sure. that was the right boat for us. 
And so yeah. the name is perfect. And we've discovered that it really takes us two tries to do everything. Not an exaggeration at all. So it, <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, actually. Sure. That's funny. So I've got one final question for you. Kind of a fun one. I might know your answer, though, but you could to- totally surprise me. If you could be any inanimate object, what would you be and why? I would be a ukulele. Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. Tell me more. (laughs) I love the ukulele. I love it so much. I learned to play about five years ago. It's a small, pretty innocent instrument that you can take with you everywhere you go. It it is just, it brings joy everywhere it goes. And so I guess I would want to be the instrument that would bring joy. That's what, that's what appeals to me. I love that. Don't we all want to be instruments who bring joy? You know, I don't think that we all do. No. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen some, like some of the opposite. So I would really like, I would love to be an instrument of joy. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair, What did you think I was going to say? I I thought it was going to be something nautical related, honestly, Mm. which is fine. Yeah. That's the the fun part of the question. You can go anywhere. There you go. It is. It is a fun question. And I knew right away. Yeah, you did. You were real fast with that. Mm. Well, Tanya, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show. You sharing your story, um, letting us know a little bit about a a different lifestyle that I have never experienced despite the lie. Um, and something that maybe I'll get to do someday, but unlikely I will probably never homeschool five children on a boat. So thank you for sharing that with us. Well, never say never. If you had (laughs) told me I don't know how how long my oldest is 20. If you had told me 20 years ago where I would be today, I would not have believed you. (laughs) Thank you so much for the opportunity just to share that little, that little piece of my life. Absolutely. As always, big thanks for listening. I loved getting to hear Tanya's story. Oh my gosh, the courage, the adventure, the willingness to do it scared. Oh, she's got some great stories still within her that we did not get to hear on the show. So make sure to enjoy more. You can find her at take2sailing.com and read her book. It's called Leaving the Safe Harbor, The Risks and Rewards of Rewards. That's a hard word to say. The Risks and Rewards of Raising a Family on a Boat. I'm reading it right now. That's how I know she's got some other awesome stories. Friends, I'm glad you're here. If you wouldn't mind hitting that subscribe button, I would love for you to be here every time that I am here. Let's hang out as often as we can, which is really about every two weeks. But sometimes it's not. If you want to pop over to katieaxelson.com, there's also some fun stuff that is headed to email friends only in the very near future. And so I want to make sure that you are part of that. If you haven't left a rating yet, I would love it if you left a rating, left a review. Hey, did you know a future podcast guest already left a review? She hasn't even come on the show yet, and she's already reviewed it. So that meant a lot to me. I will tell you a secret, though. She's our next guest coming on on our next episode, which may or may not be two weeks from now. It could be something different. That's why you want to hit subscribe. So friends, know that you are loved. Know that you matter. Know that you have got courage deep within you. Maybe it doesn't look like life on a boat to you. Maybe it looks like some other big, scary dream. My challenge for you this week do it scared. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.